was lit on the beat. Hello, everybody. This is Charles with the Barbershop Group. Um, this Friday, I wanted to give the opportunity to uh, to do something a little different than we normally do. As many of you guys know, a lot of times we talk about um, issues of mental health that are impacting men. Um, and we've spent a lot of time talking about addiction. We've talked about uh, adventure therapy. We've talked about anxiety and, and, and grief and uh, concepts like that, that, that impact us. Uh, but one of the things that we've not really gotten into as of yet, uh, that I think a lot of guys actually do talk about in physical barbershops is money. Okay. Um, I think that, uh, that uh, money is a stressful, a stressful uh, thing for men. In fact, I know it is. I won't even say I think it is. I know it is. And I know that there are a lot of men who, um, who are bad managers of, of money. We like to think that we are great managers of money. Uh, but the reality is if you go in homes across America, uh, a lot of times what we will see is that men are making the money, but the women are managing and spending the money. Um, men have a lot of opinions about money. Uh, men uh, like to think that because they've held some type of power or whatever that they, they, uh, that they control money. But, you know, the truth of it is sometimes we are inadequate. Sometimes we are in we are inadequate at things and uh, we need to uh, to reach out for help and do better. So we're going to talk about an aspect of that today uh, with my guest. Today I have on the show Mr. James Johnson out of Atlanta, Georgia. James, how are you? I'm doing incredible, sir. How about yourself? You know what? Um, I was doing OK until I saw that Dallas Cowboy hat. Uh, now I'm a bit disturbed, man. I just I don't. I really do. and and then God, you're in Atlanta. How dare you do your dirty words uh, like that? I'm originally from Richmond, Virginia, and you can blame my stepfather on having me become a cowboy fan. <laughs> as, a little, as a little boy, he used to always tell me, "Son, you see that star? Everybody can't be a star." And I've been a cowboy fan ever since. Really? Wow! Wow! So that's <laughs> so that's how you. I don't even know what to say about this. I'm, I'm worried. We will pray for you. <laughs> okay, we will we will pray for you. The Cowboys always remind me of uh, of the running back who who you know carries the ball all the way down to the one yard line and then fumbles it. Sort of like y'all did last year in the Super Bowl. Okay, no, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Anyway, yeah, so that's, that's that's the Dallas Cowboys, you know, and then obviously they have their uh they've got their uh their uh I don't I don't even know what I would call their owner right now, Mr. Jerry Jones. What can I say about you, Jerry? Just pray, pray for him. That's all you could do. It's just a corrupt old insane crazy man. That's who he is. It's, you know, it's like they need to test him for some some type of dementia or something, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's what they need to do. So anyway, no man, I'm I'm, I'm good. I'm good, and it's uh, it's good to have you have you on. And like I said, James, you know, you follow the podcast, you follow the barbershop group. Uh, you yeah. know that we are really, really leaning in hard into uh, into guys to to open up about things to to address some aspects of our lives that we've been fairly quiet about. Mm -hmm. um, to um, 
to deal with some things, man, that we kind of been like hesitant to deal with that we've been avoiding, right? It's just like, eh, I really don't want to address that right now. So, um, you know, uh, you know what we're about. And uh, when you and I spoke, I was particularly uh, taken back by your, your life, man. And the guys, you know, you all, you, if you don't know James, then obviously you don't know his life. So we're going to get into that a little bit um, today. James, mm -hmm. you know, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, man, you, um, you are the father of how many, how many children again? Do you, uh, you we, have, we have a total of 12 and my 12. wife and I have, we have 10 at home. Right, right. Yeah, because you also, you've got like a son in the Marines and everything now right. as well. Man, right. that's pretty, um, that, that's, that's pretty awesome. That's, that's, that's really awesome. That's amazing. So, um, you know, James, when, when we were talking, man, I remember you saying something about, about uh, you and your brother uh, and how you guys grew up, man. I mean, that, uh, that was riveting, man. So, so mm -hmm. what, just just run that back to me again, because I know you were saying something about how you guys ended up in the group home. How did that happen? Yeah, so so just to take it back, you know, um, like you said, my, my uh, you know, um, born and raised in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, yeah. My mom, unfortunately, she was a drug addict. Um, she was on drugs all my life. In fact, I'm 44 now. My mother, she is actually 58. Um, so my brother and I, from the ages of, you know, zero to 10, I was at, I was at home with my mother. One day she decided that she wanted to put us in foster care. Um, mm -hmm. So I actually went in foster care first. And about six months later, my brother came into foster care um, after that. You know, I think, you know, I used to think back to, um, you know, why my mom gave me up. But it actually was a blessing for her to give us up um, because we could have potentially been on drugs and alcohol just like she was. And so um, mm -hmm. growing up, we didn't have the life, the, the life um, style that everybody else did. Of course, being in group homes or foster care, you know, we was in foster care from 10 to about 15. And then at 15, um, I went to a group home, 10 boys and 10 girls. And so, okay. yeah, so I didn't really grow up like everybody else because I was ashamed that I was in a group home. So I didn't invite people over and stuff like that. But, yeah. you know, you know, so, um, yeah, so that's, that, that was the start of it, being going from foster home to foster home and into group homes and stuff like that. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's something, man. I, I mean, I, I, I think that there are a few, I think there, there are a few people uh, who really, really would consider, um, even though they're struggling with something, there are few parents who would consider uh, putting their child uh, in someone else's care. Uh, mm -hmm. like that. That's a, wow. That, that's, that's gut wrenching to think about. Um, and, um, you know, I know you said that your mom was struggling with, with addiction. Was she able to overcome that addiction? You know, unfortunately, man, no, um, she is still dealing with the guilt of, you know, all of her kids, you know, I'm the oldest of six and every single one of us was put in foster care. And so my mom is still dealing with that guilt. And now she, she's, she drinks a lot. Um, she's a right? heavy, yeah. She's a heavy, she's a heavy drinker now. And, you know, I try to tell her, you know, I'm a grown man. Now. I have my own kids to, 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 to raise. Yes. And I forgive But she hasn't forgiven herself. And until the day she forgives herself, she's mm -hmm. going to be always, you know, it's going to be always something, you know, yeah. drugs, all or whatever. And, you know, I'm praying for her. 
but right. you know I can't make her do what she don't want to do. Right, uh, and you know, and you're you're very right about that. That's you know when you're when you're watching somebody struggle with something like that, it, it's very difficult, and um, you can you can get to the end of your rope where physically there's not a whole lot that you can that you can do. Uh, right. And there's always the, uh, you know, there's always the uh, the question or, or, or the concern about your own well-being. Are you doing what you need to do to take care of yourself as you're watching somebody else neglect themselves? Right. Um, so, man, I mean, I, I have some experience um, with with uh, with group homes and, and, and things like that. So when you were when you're in the group home uh, and, and foster care, man, I mean, was that was that a, really a, a better situation for you? You think? Well, hindsight being 2020, absolutely, um, yeah. because I, I was taken away from the drugs and the alcohol and, you know, all the other stuff that came with, you know, having a mom and a stepdad who were on drugs. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you know, the foster homes was cool. I mean, I went to one foster home that that my brother and I probably regretted, you know, because and the reason why I say that is because we got molested at the ages of twelve and eleven um, by uh, you know by a man, and you know that that was that was kind of traumatizing. But you know, we went through it, got through it, or whatever, and you know, here we are today. So, so you and your brother were molested in foster care. Correct. Is that right? Wow. Correct. You know, and it's it's um, it, I, I think a lot of individuals are unaware of this happening in foster care. Um, I uh, originally, I original, I don't know if I told you this, I originally started working in mental health uh, with juvenile sex offenders. Okay. And yeah, man, that was just completely eye opening. Um, even though, even though I uh, was also molested by a man. Okay, um, it was still completely eye-opening uh, to come in contact with so many other young boys who were who were offended by men. Right? They right. were offended by mom's boyfriend or mom's husband or an uncle or you know. Uh, a pastor or somebody like that. Um, these were constant stories. The unfortunate part, however, for some of those guys is they kind of help create this trend. And it's a bit of a false assumption that, oh, if you're a molested male, then you go on to molest other people. And that's not, you know, that's not always the case. There's a, there's a, a lot of fear built into that assumption. Um, mm -hmm. But what I call attention to is just that there are so many uh, boys that this is happening to, and we never ever really hear uh, a lot about their stories. Right. You know, uh, the focus tends to be on when we're talking about the molestation of children. The focus tends to be on the uh, on the girls uh, or the young, uh, you know, teenagers who are who are girls. Uh, never a lot is said about men, and in this particular case, hardly anything is ever said about black boys. Right, right, <laughs> right, right. You know, like that's just that never ever comes out. Um, so, man, I, I really hate that. That was something that you experienced uh, 
uh, being in care. I mean, you go from uh, a traumatic situation with your with your mother and your stepfather to being in foster care where somebody tramples your boundaries like that. Um, and I'm assuming that after that, uh, you were then placed in another uh, home. Correct. Correct. After all that happened, we had to go to court and all that stuff. And, you know, just, you know, at 12 and 11, we really didn't understand everything that was going on. But, yeah, they removed us and we went to another foster home. And from that foster home, we went to the group home. And from the group home, I stayed there from 15 to 18. And then I, I went and joined the Army. Right. Okay. Got you. So, um did you did you after after um you know going to court and, and and being removed uh did they give you the opportunity to to process uh you know what you had gone through and kind of work with you to help you deal with that man yeah yeah we had to go to you know they they put us in counseling and all that stuff yeah so we had to go through all that okay good that's 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 good uh yeah. because i've also I've also come into into contact with people who, you know, um, these things have happened to and there are individuals out there who still haven't really gotten the help that they needed. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and, and so and I, I think that there are actually a lot of men and women who it happens to who never really do get the help that they need. Right. Um, and so you you got out of that situation man, and you went to the military. You went mm-hmm. to the military. Awesome, awesome. How many how many years were you in the military, James? I did five years. Did five years? Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? Um, thank you for your service, and um, I'm glad that you are able to uh, to uh, to share uh, to share your 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 experiences of the military with others. And and your son is in the military. He's in the Marines. That's what correct. I correct. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's that's nice. And I'm probably I'm sure that. One of your other sons is probably looking at it. <laughs> they, they, they actually, you know, um, the Marines changed my, my oldest son. He came home a different person. And so now my, my other boys are looking at him like, wow. And my seven-year-old said he wanted to be a Marine now. So <laughs> we'll see. Is that right? Is that right? Wow. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. That's interesting. That's cool, though, man. Hey, as long as they don't put that Dallas Cowboy hat on, I think they'll be okay. Well, you, 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 uh, you're safe there. I'm the only Dallas Cowboy fan in my whole entire house. And it's crazy. Is that right? I, I feed these jokers. You would think one of them would like the Cowboys too, but yeah, they are. And wow. I actually have a son that likes the Patriots too. For Tier, he's our football star, so he likes the Patriots as well. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. So somebody's got some good sense then. That's that's awesome. <laughs> and uh, my my Marine, he likes the Steelers. Oh, does he? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so, so James, man, you know, we talk about uh, a lot of the things that cause men stress, uh, and you know, as well as I do that we deal with like, uh, you know, high levels of hypertension and high blood pressure, um, mm-hmm. anxiety, just, just a lot of, a lot of stress, man. And, uh, sometimes we don't even know, sometimes we don't even know that it's stress that we're dealing with because we get so used to just operating on a certain plane and a certain level. Um, so one of the things that, that I know causes us stress is money. Right. Just, you know, I like to say to people all the time that three to five o'clock Monday through Friday is that's probably one of the more stressful uh, times in America 
Okay. And people say, well, why? What do you mean? That's one of the more stressful times in America. And I tell them, well, people are getting off work. You get home, you park the car. What's the first thing that you see? You see a mailbox. Okay. And uh, you go to reach into that mailbox and you just don't know. Is mm-hmm. it a bill? Is it a check? What is it? Right. And, uh, and so that that's that moment of just like, oh, you know what? I'm not opening this right now. <laughs> right. Or, or now it's a thing of, all right, I got this phone and I, I don't recognize this number. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not answering this phone call. OK. Um, so, yes. Um, stress, money, debt. There's a connection there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I, I know that a lot of people are dealing with that even though they may not talk about it openly, it's okay. It's something that everybody experiences. Well, you know, James, not too long ago, man, I was, uh, I was at the grocery store and I was standing behind this young man and he was on his phone and uh, he was, you couldn't help but to hear the conversation because he was talking so loud. And I thought, dude, why are you being so loud with this right now? But the guy was on the phone talking to another person, man, and they were talking about credit cards, okay? And they were running some type of scheme with these credit cards. He wasn't using his name, and he was telling the guy on the phone, well, just give me a minute. I'll go get the money, man, and I'll put it on the card so we'll be okay. And then, you know, we can just use that one up and just run that one down, and then we'll, we'll flip this. And I was like, dude, that all sounds bad. <laughs> Okay, I don't know what type of thing you're into, but if you get caught, you're probably going to be in some trouble. And I thought to myself, why do all of that? Well, he's probably doing all of that because his own financial situation is pretty bad. Right. Uh, You know, in times of desperation, people do some really uh, desperate things. Uh, Sometimes we men do some things that uh, are not uh, really thought out well and uh, that are criminal, right, in nature. And uh, just just really, really dumb, really stupid. Um, And a lot of times when we're stressed out, yeah, we make bad decisions. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, I, I thought of you when I heard that young man's conversation, because I know that you are in the business of helping men and women lessen financial stress. So let's talk about that. Um, You are in the business of helping people improve uh, their credit scores. You're in the business of helping people understand uh, how to avoid being poor. And Guys, uh, for you listeners out there, I don't know if you all realize this, but, um, you know, the poor we are, the poor we become. Um, it's it's and I and I, I think about this a lot, you know, when I was in when I was in retail management and, you know, corporate management, I, I used to see uh, companies take advantage of people who were poor. You know, and you see it, you see it happen a lot. Um, And I know that for many of our listeners, we've got listeners in Atlanta, St. Louis, Detroit, and other places, other urban areas, you can see um, the the blowback 
of, uh, of not being financially healthy and wealthy. Um, a lot of times we joke about um, those renaissances and things like that. But if, if you notice, you don't ever see those types of uh, things in, in wealthy environments. Okay, you don't. So, so James, how exactly are you helping people deal with this, man? Okay, and I just want to, because you've been saying some powerful things, and I, I want to just kind of throw this out there. You know, people always say that the love of money is the root of, of all evil, and I say, no, being broke is the root of all evil, because <laughs> when you're broke, right, you come right. up with all kinds of plots and schemes to get money. And yes. so that's why, but no, but um, what we do as far as my wife and I, we have a company um, called, is we, you know, it's my, um, um, my our credit repair now. And uh, basically we help people um, repair their credit. Uh, yes. You know, that's, that's where it starts. I remember growing up, my dad used to always tell me that money is uh, uh, king, you know, you know, cash is king. Well, mm -hmm. what I found out as a grown man is credit is power. And so, uh, we show people how they can get their credit fixed. Because I know for me, um, as a young boy growing up, my, I had two parents that were drug addicts. So they didn't teach me the importance of credit. They didn't teach right. me the importance of um, paying things on time. I had to learn that the hard way. And, and it's unfortunate, but, you know, a lot of uh, people that, that, that we know and love that look like you and I, they haven't been taught that. Right, right. Absolutely. I, and I know that that's the truth. Um, um I um I remember I remember one time my mom and my dad uh having a really heated argument, man. Um I, and my, my parents hardly ever hardly ever argued at all and definitely not in front of us, not at least not in front of me. Um my sister, she may have a different take on that because she was a bit younger and saw some different things, but I remember uh, my mom wanted to buy some furniture and my dad just being adamantly opposed. He's like, no, we don't need this. We're not doing it. Right. And, um, right. that furniture ended up coming to the house, I think, or, or some paperwork about the furniture ended up coming to the house and my dad found it. And my dad just, he was livid. Okay. And I can't remember all of the ins and outs of it. I, I don't know if if my mom used his name to establish the line of credit or both of their names to do it. I just know that my dad was like, no, let's not let's not do this. Let's not get into this. And it was just something that my mom just really wanted to do. And I didn't understand the uh I didn't understand the crucial nature of it at that time. Mm -hmm. Okay, I did. And I didn't ask any questions. And in fact, even with uh, with me, man, I really didn't start to understand anything about credit management until I was in debt. You know, I remember being uh, being in college and this was a time, you know, before cell phones uh, where as soon as you got to campus that that late August, um, in the first couple of weeks, they would have a bunch of uh, utility companies and stuff like that on campus saying, hey, uh, you've got to call home. You know, it's long distance. I've got a great phone plan for you. Uh, all you got to do is this. Right. right. <laughs> or uh, or, hey, um, you know, um, 
you seem like a stylish guy. Have you ever uh, shopped at such and such store? And then they would put the slide this little application <laughs> right. over to you. And there you go. You've got your credit card and nobody tells you anything about it. Um, and, uh, you know, that's how a lot of people end up in bad situations, you see. So you're right in that. Yeah, a lot of us, man, we don't learn until it's too late. Right. We, we really, really don't. Um, I mean, even with your son, who's in the uh, who's in the uh, in the Marines, um, you know, a lot of people in the military, man, they get exposed to all these different credit offerings before they really understand it. They gave my son a fifteen thousand dollar credit card as soon as he got out of basic training. A fifteen thousand dollar credit card. Fifteen thousand. And my son was like, yeah, dad, my, all my friends were saying he was going to go buy them a car with it and all of this and that. But yeah, they just gave him $15,000 just because he was in the Marines. Wow. That's crazy. It is. And what, I, I mean, and, and here, here's what's also interesting about that, I guess, when you're talking about, about the military um, and other, the military law enforcement, federal law enforcement is these guys should typically remain in good standing with their credit. Isn't that true? Correct. Yes. So, it's just it's mind boggling why they would even expose young children to uh, to a situation where they could, you know, potentially damage their credit and, and, and then put their security clearances uh, in danger. Well, if you if you understand, I mean, and I know you do. So um, I was going to say, of course, it's, it's, a, it's part of the game. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to keep people in debt or, or it's not them wanting to keep people in debt. It's actually the lack of education from mm-hmm. our, our kids, our people, to yeah. understand the game that you should be playing, right? And right. They, they actually they actually prey on that. I remember when I was in the Army, um, at 18 years old, I didn't get 15000 They gave me like 2000 and I went ballistic. I thought I was rich, right? Because I could go charge whatever I want on this card. And so it, it's just the, the, the game that, that they're playing. If I knew better, I would have done better, right? So now my job is to teach our kids. And I would tell you, my son, he is very adamant about – you know, looking at his account, he calls his mom and say, mom, can I do this? If not, you know, so he's on it. And that's because we teach him. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's good. That's very good because there's, there's so many people who, you know, they don't do that. Um, I remember a mentor of mine um, talking about it a little bit uh, when I was maybe 18 or 19, 18 or 19 years old. Um, and he was he was also educating his children um, quite a bit about it, letting them know, um, you know, hey, look, you do this, you don't do that. This is what this is. It's called this. You know, this is why this is working. This is why that doesn't work. It was just it was a lot. Um, and I just felt like a fish out of water. I'm like, man, why did my parents do that? Right. Um, right. So, James, what are some of the uh, what are some of the main issues, man, that 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 folks are coming to you? What are some of the main issues that guys are coming to you with uh, when they're when they're seeking your help? Well, just to increase their credit score. Um, they want to increase their credit score uh, mainly because they want to buy a home. Um, and then, of course, you have some people who want to uh, buy a car or lower their interest rate. But the main reason is people are wanting to buy a home now. Actually. Right up there, too, is people need to come and increase their credit score because their jobs, um, they won't hire them or they will fire them if their score is, is too low. 
Right. Yeah. And that's, and that we talked about keeping people poor, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, here it is. And a lot of these jobs, these are higher paying jobs. I, I, you know, uh, I assume, I know that in, in my case, uh, it's always been that, that way. Um, so if you, uh, we're looking to increase your 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 salary or by by taking a job with this company or whatever. Then they were going to do a credit check. Correct. And uh, sometimes, you know, they would see something on there, and and would uh, you would have to exit the 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 process, the application mm-hmm. process, or sometimes they will require you to uh, to set a plan in motion to address the issue. So I think it's right. very important. You know, you talk about buying a home, you talk about buying a car, but now with so many people looking at your credit score for your employment, it's extremely important. It is. Right. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what are what what are some of the the recurring issues that you see um, that, that people probably are, are having to address uh, with their negative credit histories? Um. As it pertains to why their credit is negative, a lot of student loans, a lot of medical bills. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have, of course, repossessions. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a plethora of stuff, but the main stuff that we see is a lot of people calling about student loans, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, repossessions, bankruptcies. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, um, so it, it's a lot. Um, but again, the, the main issue is they wanted to increase their credit scores. The average um, score that we have been seeing is is it actually in the low fours? Really, and so and that that really speaks to uh, you know education. A lot of a lot of people are not being educated about credit, and now that as 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 grown men and women, now we want to go do better. Well, mm-hmm. it first starts with you increasing your credit score, and then you have people that tell us, Charles, well, if you got money, you don't have to worry about credit. Well, mm-hmm. that's not true because if you have yeah. money, um, and you know your insurance premium is based on your credit score. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. You got money and you still working a job. That's still based on your credit score. So it has nothing to do with money. So like I said, you know, I, we tell people all the time, having an 800 credit score is more powerful than having $100,000 in the bank. I see. I see. So I, I saw something that, and I can't remember if, if, uh, if you posted, posted it or your wife posted it, but there was some, there was some information out there about Beyonce and Jay-Z Right. Um, uh, and I know that I know that everybody is familiar with Beyonce and Jay-Z. Right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so let's talk about that, man. What do, do you do? You have those those numbers in front of you. you do you know what I'm talking about uh, with the, 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 the yeah, person? that was actually posted by my wife? OK, OK. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Stop right now, though, but I know what you're talking about. Yes, yes. The purchase of the, like the actual purchase price of their home and a down payment and just kind of how those numbers broke down. So the home, I think, was like 60 million. But hold on, let me pull it up because I don't want to talk ignorant. I want to because I know what you're talking about. But yeah, yeah. she posted that the other day. And um, yeah. hold on, let me see. Now, my wife is the posting queen on Facebook. So <laughs> she tagged me in so much stuff. I don't have to post anything because she tagged me anyway. So I see. I got you. I got you. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going through all the stuff because I have a lot of stuff. That's yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's 
anyway, as I'm searching through all of this, um, that that it was really speaking to how they actually leveraged the power of their credit to help them buy a home that was like sixty million, yes, um, something like that, and they put down thirty million in, and then they financed the rest. I see. But hold on, I, I think I'm almost to it. Uh, I know you have a lot to have. Oh, a lot to, uh, yeah, it's crazy. You know, so while you're while you're looking looking for that, um, you know, I also wanted to uh, wanted to uh, go back to something that you talked about as far as ownership. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was speaking with a young man uh, recently who was expressing some of his dismay with uh, with some of the things that he was happy seeing happen in current affairs. Okay. And, um, you know, my advice to him was, uh, to just, just solid advice, man. Nothing, nothing crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. for the people who, who know me and they know that I'm fairly conservative and I, I just kind of stay in a certain way. Um, but I told him, I said, Hey, look, you know what? One of the best things that you can do for yourself is, uh, is get into ownership. Right. Uh, home and land ownership, uh, right. get into some solid investing if you can. And, um, and, uh, you know, I told him to, uh, start looking at businesses that allowed him to make some money while he was asleep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of us guys, we, we definitely have the breadwinner mentality. I think that there's still, you know, there's starting to be a change in how men look at making money. But for some of us, um, we still have that breadwinner mindset and, and, and that's OK. Uh, but if that breadwinner mindset is um, is causing us bodily harm and, and psychological harm, we may need to do something different. So I right. told him, said, you know what, it's it's beyond the point where you need to make money. You, you only have 24 hours in a day. So you're only going to be able to make so much money with your body, right? With right. Your hands. Right. Uh, you know, the people who are doing really well are making money while they're asleep. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Uh, so I was like, out, outside of uh, just, just place everything that you see happening on pause for a minute and think about ownership, think about making money while you're sleeping and, um, and think about making solid investments. And really, you know, um, uh, I, I guess the fourth thing is is getting his, uh, making sure that his credit and everything is in order, that he doesn't have those kinds of things out there just kind of beating him over the head. Right. Um, and he was receptive. He was receptive to it. I told him, I said, those are probably going to be some of the basic core things that, um, that improve your lot financially more than anything else. It's not a get rich quick scheme. Um, you know, it's not Ponzi type. You, it's not about hitting the lottery. It's just, right. just doing some of those basic core things that uh, people have done over years. Uh, and it will take you some time, but you've got to develop the discipline. So did you, were you able to find that? that Man, I'm still, I'm still, still scrolling. Looking for? It's, if, you can, if you cannot find it, it's okay. Uh, but I, I just know that the numbers were staggering. However, within the number, um, I think that what we, what we want to highlight is that though we tend to look at uh, millionaires as just that, millionaires, we're also 
you know, looking at people uh, who probably have had individuals managing their finances and their their uh, their accounting and their spending and things like that. These guys just don't go out there and uh, throw down a, a load of money. Nope. Uh, they have careful deliberations involved. <laughs> Correct. Okay. They have careful deliberations involved. Don't think that Jay-Z and Beyonce don't have a budget because they do. They absolutely do. They just have a higher budget than we do. They just have a higher budget, but they've got a budget. Exactly. Um, And so these are some things that as I talk to men, uh, especially men like ourselves, as I talk to them, I find out that we are definitely not uh, practicing budgets. Okay. We're not seeking assistance to help with those budgets. Um, we're not taking classes that help increase our financial literacy. Okay. Just like you said, it's about education. Right. Um, and so those are some things that, those are some, some, some things that we need to do. Um, so one of the other questions that I have for you uh, regarding what you, what you guys, what you guys do, and you, you kind of touched on it. You said that the average score, the average score of individuals that come to you for help, you said it's in the low 400s? Correct. Yep. Wow. Okay, man. That's, and, and what do you, so, so, so really quick, when you're talking about purchasing a home, James, like lenders and what have you, man, what kind of scores are they, are they wanting individuals to have? Well, you'd be surprised. You could actually get a mortgage with a 580. But I mean, we, we, we advise against that because with the 580, you're not going to have a favorable interest rate. And I so, um, you know, so no, you can have a score as low as 580, but obviously, um, excuse me, the higher you get your score, the better interest rate you'll have. I see. Okay. Got you. So you just because somebody says, hey, 580, you're good. No, that doesn't mean you're good. Right. <laughs> Because if you start compounding the interest that you're going to pay on that home, you know, you're going to pay for that house probably twice because you have such a poor interest rate. And so you want to be careful. Right. right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's and that's something that um, that I've seen in several cities uh, across America, mm-hmm. uh, cities that were hit with subprime lending uh, and uh, and redlining and things like that. You're also looking at individuals who pound for pound. Uh, they were at, um, you know, very high interest rates because they had low, uh, low scores. Uh, Correct. Because they had low scores. And that's something that a lot of people were unaware of. I think today, a lot of individuals are a lot more aware of it than, than previously, but we still have a lot of work to do. We do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, so James, we are, we're starting to run out of time here, man. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I do appreciate you, you coming in. I know that you guys are working around the clock to help people. So, and you're in the Atlanta area, um, yes, sir. but you know, for the guys listening, man, if they wanted to reach out to you uh, for consultation and, uh, and assistance, how would they get in touch with you? Um, well, two ways. You can actually uh, call me directly on my cell phone. Um, we don't run from people. We definitely like to talk to you. My uh, cell phone is uh, area code 404-429-4952. That's 404-429-4952. Um, then, of course, we have a website that my uh, beautiful wife built for us. Um, that's uh, www.mycreditrepairnow.com. That's my credit repair now.com. 
Yes, yes, absolutely. And James, um, you know, how many people, how many people just, and I, this is 2018, I won't even ask you for hard numbers, right? But we're okay. looking at this is the end of March. Uh-huh. Um, how many people just since, since the beginning of the year until now, how many people do you say, could you say you've helped so far? Well, right now we have a total of 260 clients in our organization. Um, and since January, probably out of that 260, probably about more than half just came on board to get their credit repair. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's some, that's something else, man. That's, that's very interesting. Um, but that, but that's good. I'm, I'm glad that people are, are waking up and realizing that this is something that they need to, this is something they need to, uh, to take care of. Uh, yes, sir. You know, again, it, it's nothing to play with. And it's just so unfortunate that so many of us learn so late in the game. Right. Okay. We learn so late in the game. Um, so, well, James, I, uh, I really appreciate you coming in, man, today to, uh, to share your personal story um, with us. Uh, as I said, I know that we men have gone through some crazy things and a lot of us Absolutely. never talk about it. And there are those of us who, who do. Um, and then there are a lot of men who feel uncomfortable with men actually sharing things like this, right? And yes, uh, well, that's the reason why the barbershop group exists is to help guys get over the fact that, you know what, we have real lives too. Absolutely. Um, but I definitely appreciate you speaking with us uh, today and uh, keep doing the work that you are that you're doing as a father and as a husband and helping all of the individuals uh, uh, who come to you. I did have one other thing and it, it just came back to my um, you know, what are some of the, what are, what are some of the excuses, if you could, what are some of the excuses you could give that people have when you're talking to them? Just some of the barriers that people have to really sitting down with you and, and taking care of these financial issues. That's a, that's, that's, that's a, a great question, um, um, Charles, because the biggest thing that we see is people saying that they can't afford to fix their credit. And if they really sit down and look at it, they actually can't afford, they can't afford, but their priorities in the wrong spot. And what I mean is, you know, our services are $89 a month. Most Mm -hmm. people pay for cable and they're paying way more than $89 a month. Right. Um, Not only that, when, when you start to look at or compound the interest that they're paying on the cars they may have, or if they're renting a home and not getting any, um, you know, they don't get any credit for that. Um, they spend way more money than the $89 a month. But also the lack of the lack of education. You know, people just don't think they need to fix their credit for whatever reason. It's crazy to me, but that's what they think. But they'll stand in line at 3 o'clock in the morning for those new Jordans, right? <laughs> they'll stand in line for those new Jordans, so they'll go buy what they want. I actually posted I posted um, something on Facebook not too long ago, and it said that people will spend money on what they want but try to nickel and dime me on stuff that they need. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so our, our, our mission is we want to just go out and educate and empower people to understand that once you get your credit score to 750 or higher, you now can live that quality of life that you need. And now you could go do some stuff. Even if you wanted to go start a business, you could because now you have the credit score to get approved for stuff. So, Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, great, man. That was the only other question that I had for you. And I thank you for uh, sharing your information with us. Uh, yes, sir. Today. 
Guys, we've had on the show uh, James Johnson, a specialist uh, who helps individuals repair their credit, increase their credit scores, and uh, enter the realm of home ownership and uh, just get out from under underneath a lot of debt, okay? And uh, when we are able to decrease debt, we're able to also decrease the amount of stress, okay? Absolutely. And um, that increases our well-being. And it's just, we can't speak enough about about um, being spiritually wealthy, financially wealthy, psychologically wealthy. Uh, I think that this is the time that a lot of us, there's a train leaving. We need to jump on it. Absolutely. People are, people are waking up. So, uh, James, I thank you for your time. Uh, guys, uh, I hope that you all have enjoyed the information that James shared with you today. And uh, we will talk to you soon. The Barbershop Group provides safe spaces for men to discuss issues of well-being and mental health. The Barbershop Group also serves as a resource to the community, providing consultations and public speakers through partnerships with attorneys, mental health professionals, family agencies, religious institutions, and other advocates. In the near future, the Barbershop Group seeks to renovate dilapidated residential and commercial properties in urban areas to create respite shelters for displaced men. We will also host mentorship retreats and workshops for young men and adults to foster growth through our Iron Sharpening Iron and our Rebuilding Men programs. In addition, we host a weekly podcast covering issues of mental health, homelessness, financial literacy, education, and leadership. If you would like to be a guest on our show, please email us at info at thebarbershopgroup.org, visit our Facebook page, or call 313-585-9948 for more information.